she had not been there. Whoever had brought her was presumably in the next room now, whispering. The first definite thought which reached him amid the firework display of question marks in his mind was that whoever this pathetic little bundle might turn out to have been, he must not permit her to prevent him catching his train. That train was important. The reward it promised him had been most hardly earned. He stepped down the passage, opened the sitting-room door, and stood back, taking the precaution by force of habit. "'Oh, my God!' The cry which greeted the silent swinging door was purely superstitious. He walked in to find himself confronted by three frightened people. Mr. Lugg, in heavy rescue uniform, and two of the most striking women he had ever seen in his life. The girl who had cried out was lovely, very fair, with frightened blue eyes. She was twenty at the outside, he judged, and at the moment she was shocked and too horrified even to cry. He glanced past her at the older woman, surprised by a sudden conviction that he ought to recognize her. She was looking at him woodenly, but there was no mistaking her for what she was, an Edwardian beauty, still young in everything but years. She was a personality, too. Struggling to place her, Campion found that he was thinking of the portrait of Mrs. Siddons by Sir Joshua Reynolds. He turned to the only member of the group whom he had met before, and made a discovery. Mr. Lugg was frightened also. He was shaking, and disbelief was written across his great white egg of a face. Campion met his eyes with a flicker of his old smile, and the three years' separation between them vanished. "'Is the lady in my bedroom staying long?' he inquired. Lugg glanced round helplessly, and finally confronted his old employer. "'I didn't know you was back,' he said, devastatingly. "'Oh, well, then, that's all right.' Campion appeared relieved. I'm just going. I only dropped in for a bath between trains. You just go on as though I weren't here. Oh, no, wait a minute, Governor. Lug put up a fat hand appealingly. It's lucky you come along, really. Come into the kitchen a minute, will you? At this point, the woman who reminded Campion of Mrs. Siddons intervened. Oh, this is Mr. Campion, is it? She said graciously. I'm afraid we're imposing on you terribly. I've heard my son John speak of you many times. Carrados, you know. Mr. Campion was astounded. If John, Marquis of Carrados, was her son, then she must be Edna, Dowager Marchioness. No wonder he'd fancied he recognised her. As a young bride, she had swept London society off its feet, and her wealth, her vivacity, and the romantic tales about her had become fabulous in a year. He pulled himself together with difficulty. Why, of course— is Johnny about? At this moment the nods and grimaces in which Lug had been indulging for some time gave place to audible noise. Lady Carrados turned to look at him. The small eyes were imploring. I would like to have a bit of a word with him. I brung you here, you see. She sat down. Do explain everything, Mr. Lug, will you? I'm afraid we need help. In the dressing-room beyond the bathroom, where the traveller had left his clothes, Lug expressed himself forcibly. The fact is, cock, we're up the old-fashioned creek. You've come just in time, that's about the size of it. Mr. Campion emerged from the shirt he was pulling on, his hair dishevelled, but his expression firm. Don't you kid yourself, my lad. I'm catching a train in fifty minutes, and a thousand corpses all in coronets won't stop me. You only have the one at the moment, I take it. Yes. Now's not the time to be funny, neither. This is serious, 
A stiff is still a stiff in this country. There'll be a lot of questions asked. So I should imagine. What the hell are you doing, Lug? Who is that woman? We don't know, said Lug, surprisingly. That's off the trouble. Campion glanced up from the shoe he was tying. Suppose you come across. Well, it's like this. I've been sitting in the square for about a year now. Carrados Square? Yes. I'm on duty there, see. We've had our ups and downs, but for a lot of the time I haven't had a lot to do. Me and my old girl have been bored some of the time. Your old girl? My pig. We keep pigs, us heavy rescue chaps. Helping the war effort. I see. Mr. Campion concentrated on his other shoe. Carry on. Now, Lady Carrados, she lives in the square, on the side what's still standing. The other three sides are not so hot, I suppose. Cooler now than what they was, said Lug succinctly. But a part of the house, where his nibs, her ladyship's son, used to live, that's all right. Johnny Carrados's house, and only part of it all right. It seemed impossible that the mansion should not still exist. It was the music room Campion remembered best. It had been at the top of the building, so probably it had gone. Its Indian red hangings, its gilt and its green, all reduced to a mass of blackened spars. It had been from that room that Johnny had conducted his remarkable activities. Of course, with such a background and such a fortune, Carrados had had every opportunity to give his genius full reign, but he had never wasted those opportunities. He had been a great patron. It was Johnny who had financed the Cheska Ballet, established the Museum of Wine, given Zolly his first concerts in London, and rebuilt the Sicilian Hall. Moreover, he had always fostered his own art, and was, incongruously, one of the leading amateur flyers of the age. Despite his youth and his money, he had had little trace of the dilettante in his make-up. He had held his friends, too. Peter Onya and his wife Gwenda had lived with him, Peter managing his financial affairs, and Gwenda acting as her husband's secretary. There had been other members of the household also. That queer little fish, Ricky Silver, who had existed solely to do the flowers as far as anyone knew. The cheerful girl who was the social secretary, whose name Campion had forgotten. The silent Captain Gold, who did the housekeeping. They had formed one of the most closely knit little gangs which had characterised the social life of pre-war London. Carrados had lived life in his own magnificent fashion. Evangeline Snow, the review star, had never married him, but Johnny was faithful to her, as far as anyone knew. The war must have split them up, of course. Campion remembered hearing something about Johnny getting himself into the RAF. Where is Carrados now? At home, I hope. I got the two lower floors and the basement going. He was just due there when we got the stiff away. His face was lugubrious. We've got ourselves in a mess. The girl coming in so unlikely. Not to mention you. That's torn it. I was going to manage it all quiet, see? I don't, quite, said Mr. Campion, frankly. Go on from where you were sitting in your pigsty. Lug was hurt. It's not only a pigsty. It's an old depot. A.R.P., you know. Heroes of the Blitzes. It's right in the middle of the square, where the grass used to be. That's where I picked up her ladyship. All through the Blitz she ran a voluntary canteen there. Me and her have always got on very polite. So, when she got herself in this spot of trouble, it was natural that she should turn to me. You don't know who the dead woman is? Has your distinguished confederate any idea? No. 
Mr. Campion put on his coat. Do you know how the woman died? Oh, it's nothing fishy. Lug was unexpectedly confident. You know me. I wouldn't mix myself up with nothing dangerous. Campion regarded his old friend with astonishment. Are you telling me you've got a doctor's certificate for that body? What are you doing? Just throwing a small funeral from my flat? Alarm gleamed in Lug's small eyes. We ain't had a doctor yet, but I was going to, of course. It was suicide. Straight. Bottle of muck by her side and everything. We had to move her, because she was in his bed. It didn't look the article, especially with the wedding the day after tomorrow. Campion sat down slowly on a chair. Whose bed? Carrados's? Yes. Whose wedding? Is, of course. Don't you see no papers where you come from? I'm going to end round at the reception, he added shyly. If I get out of this. Her name's Susan, one of my ambulance drivers. You've seen her. She's in the next room. How did she get into it? By a ruddy mistake, said Lug with feeling. You see, it was her time off from duty this afternoon. When she's away, I mind the ambulance. Campion began to understand. You brought the body here in an ambulance. It was a very good idea. It would have worked, too, if the girl had not come into the square just as we were slipping out of it. She thought the vehicle was being pinched and followed it. She come barging in the door, and when she saw what we'd got, she was frightened. We was just trying to argue a little reason into her when you come in. Left to ourselves, me and the old lady might have brought it off. Not a soul being the wiser. Now it's not going to be so easy. My dear chap, you don't imagine that you can keep a thing like this quiet. Just think... Mr. Campion broke off, listening. Purposeful footsteps were coming up the stairs. The knocking on the door was gentle at first.